0: And on this week's show, we look ahead to the upcoming 2022 World Cup qualifying playoffs with the first legs on next Friday and with Africa's five places in Qatar to be decided. We hear from Ghana, where former Brighton manager Chris Hughton has been appointed as technical advisor for the tie against Nigeria before possibly taking over as head coach.
1: So according to a reliable source that is very close to me, Chris Hughton will take over the Black Stars job after the World Cup playoffs.
0: That's coming soon, plus your views on the action taken by the British government against Chelsea and Stuart on Ronaldo's brilliant hat-trick against Tottenham. Her first match day five in the CAF Champions League this weekend, and Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa beat Al Ahly of Egypt one nil in the big game last weekend. Al Ahly coach Pizzo Mosimane losing home and away to his former club in Group A. Sundowns are through to the quarterfinals with two games to spare. Al-Athli on four points only, the same as the Sudanese clubs Al-Hilal and Al-Marek, so Al-Athli need a result away to Al-Marek this weekend. In Group D, Petro Atletico of Angola and Widad Casablanca of Morocco are already through, and Egyptian giants Zamaleka out after losing 1-0 at home to Widad last weekend. And in other news, in women's football, Nigeria's Asisat Oshoala has won the Spanish women's title with Barcelona again after Barca beat Real Madrid 5-0. It's three titles in a row for Barcelona and for Oshoala, who's currently recovering from injury. She's got 19 goals in 16 games, still five matches to go, so Asisat might be back and might continue to challenge for the top goalscorer award. So there's a huge few days coming up in African football with the 2022 FIFA World Cup qualifying playoffs with the first legs on next Friday, the 25th, and then the second legs on Tuesday, the 29th. There are 10 teams still in it, five ties, and the winners qualify for the 2022 FIFA World Cup finals in Qatar later this year. Uh, So the stakes are extremely high. Uh, These teams were the group winners of the 10 groups in the second round of qualifying. So we have Egypt against Senegal, Cameroon against Algeria, Ghana versus Nigeria, DR Congo against Morocco and Mali playing Tunisia. Uh, Let's start with Egypt-Senegal, Ida, They met in the Africa Cup of Nations final last month, uh, Senegal winning, of course, and only one of them will make it to the 2022 World Cup.
2: Indeed, Steve. But is one month enough, though, you know, to get over such cruel, cruel heartbreak for Egypt? Maybe not, but they'll definitely want to exact some form of revenge. And you know what? Denying the Taranga Lions a sport in the world's biggest football competition, well, that would go a long way to suit some of those burns, I would think. But, of course, look, it's about much more than revenge. And don't forget that last time out at the Russia 2018 World Cup, both teams were present. Salah's contribution, Steve, at the Afghan was definitely debatable. His contribution to Egypt at the World Cup is absolutely undeniable. Don't forget his penalty against Congo, that was at the last qualifiers, ensured that the pharaohs qualified for a first World Cup in 28 years. Egypt coach Carlos Kieros, well, he knows that it's do or die, and especially after that Afghan title loss, and he has called on all his professional players abroad. As for Senegal, well, they will need to put that emotional Afghan win aside just for a bit at least and regroup, especially if they'll want to be in Qatar at the end of the year
0: really is a mouth-watering tie, that one. And another blockbuster is Ghana against Nigeria, a huge West African rivalry. And again, only one of them will qualify for the World Cup. And an interesting development in Ghanaian football is the inclusion of Chris Hewton in the technical team as technical advisor for the tie. Hewton is the former Brighton manager. He took Brighton into the English Premier League from the championship. He played for Tottenham for 13 seasons and for the Ireland national team. Uh, was born in England to a Ghanaian father and an Irish mother. So Houghton is kind of retracing his roots. I spoke to sports reporter Betty Yorson in Accra about the appointment and about the expectations as to what Chris Houghton might bring to the Black Stars. Especially after their group stage exit at this year's Africa Cup of Nations.
1: After the whole Black Stars Afcon campaign, there was this whole tussle between government and the Ghana Football Association on who becomes the next coach for the Black Stars. And so, government was in for Chris Hughton, who is the former Brighton manager, and the GFA they were in for Otto Addo because they believe Otto Addo is. A, one person who can relate more with the players because he has been around the black stars for a while now and because there was there is an immediate assignment that the world cup playoff they believe he is the right person who can be able to get the players together and i mean get them together get them gel together and get the cohesion and everything together as soon as possible as compared to um chris Houston. and so this tussle went on for a while but finally It has been confirmed and government has agreed to this new technical setup. So Otoado has now been appointed as the head coach of the Black Stars and he will be assisted by former Ghana international George Boateng and also Masoud Didi Dramani with Chris Hilton being the technical advisor to the Black Stars. Now, he is a technical advisor to the Black Stars. I mean, this actually raised a lot of questions by football pandits and because there is a technical director to the Ghana Football Association, and so they felt Chris Hilton becoming the technical advisor is more of a duplicate position. But this technical setup is only for the World Cup playoffs. So after the two legs, that's Um, playing Nigeria in Ghana and also playing Nigeria in Abuja, the job of Otoado ends. So according to a reliable source that is very close to me, Chris Hughton will take over the Black Stars job after the World Cup playoffs. And so Otuado is just in for the two matches for the World Cup playoffs. Now, governments, they are very optimistic or very confident that looking at the rich experience of Chris Hughton, he should be able to turn things around for the Black Stars. And also, for the first time in so many years, most Ghanaians are in agreement with government bringing on board Chris Hughton to come and head the technical department of the Black Stars.
0: Well, that's Planet Sport Football Africa's Betty Yorson in Accra in Ghana. Um, so, Ida, what do you think about Chris Hutton's appointment uh, and about this Ghana-Nigeria clash?
2: Well, first about Hutton's appointment. And you can see that it's pretty much a replica of roles, as Betty has put it. While the Super Eagles roster was revealed with a couple of weeks to go at least, the Black Stars, Steve, is yet to be unveiled. And while this may be part of their strategy, I mean, you never know, with the recent introduction of so many new parties, it may also look like the result of a bit of push and pull, you know. Nonetheless, you can't see just what this clash against Nigeria means to the country. I mean, that Ghana has pretty much drawn up an entirely separate technical team to cater to this. And especially off the back of that horrendous, horrendous Afghan showing. But look, I can't see how some factions preferred Ado. I mean, he knows what it's like to play for Ghana. Plus, he did work as a scout for the Black Stars in 2013. That was prior to the 2014 World Cup in Brazil, and then the 2015 Afghan in Equatorial Guinea. And actually, Steve, this fixture reminds me somewhat of the Nigeria-Ghana tie in the Auckland qualifiers. Not at all, you know, to try and compare the two tournaments, because of course, but, you know, rather that after this, there will only be one team standing and many fans of the game in general will be robbed of, you know, the possibility of seeing two African greats dwindling as they may be in fortunes, but two greats historically Nonetheless, though, you know, one does have to go back to, I believe, the 2010 and 2014 World Cups as the last World Cups that featured both countries. And Steve, the 2014 World Cup is also the last time that the Black Stars featured at the global showpiece. And in a bit of team news, well, Ghana will be without Captain Andre Ayew after that straight red. Remember that he got against Comoros in the afghan but look Mohammed kudus he might be returning uh and he did miss out on the afghan through injury so that would be a huge huge boost if he does and steve there's also news that the fixture has been moved to kumasi after kaf confirmed that the cape coast stadium wasn't ready to host
0: yeah, sure. It's going to be a tight one. What about the other ties, Ida? Cameroon against Algeria. DR Congo versus Morocco. Uh, Mali facing Tunisia. How do you see these ones going?
2: Well, about Cameroon, Algeria, I think all eyes will be on the new indomitable Lions head coach, um, Rigobert Song. And it really will be his first real test. And it will be interesting as well, you know, to see how he navigates it. As for Mali-Tunisia, well, I mean, the last time these two sides met was at the Afghan in Cameroon, so pretty recently. And the game was twice ended prematurely, Steve, in some of the most bizarre scenes we've seen, but they have since been explained. And I would imagine that the two teams will enjoy being in a relatively uneventful matchup, you know. In these qualifiers, at least, we'd hope. But look, the big news coming from the DRC-Morocco tie is Hakim Ziyech, of course, rejecting his Moroccan national call-up. Steve, it's been a vicious back and forth between the Chelsea player and the Morocco coach, the technical bench as well, for a while now. And the last time that Ziyech played for Morocco was in June 2021. And of course, in something like this, everyone has their side of the story. What's clear, though, is that Ziek announced his retirement from international football in February. And Steve, another Moroccan player, Mazraoui, who's been in a very similar tense situation with the head coach as well, also rejected his call up. So it definitely does look chaotic. No two ways about that. And I'm sure Morocco will be hoping that this doesn't distract them, you know, from what they need to do.
0: Yeah, sure. Well, thanks, Ida. So the first legs are on next Friday, the 25th, and the second legs on Tuesday, the 29th of this month. Asking for your thoughts on social media, which African teams do you think will make it to the World Cup? uh, With these uh, playoff ties coming up, including Egypt against Senegal in a repeat of the Africa Cup of Nations final and arrivals Ghana facing Nigeria. So which of these are you looking forward to and which teams do you think will make it to the World Cup? you can post a comment on our facebook page that's planet sport football africa or send us a whatsapp to +447955232780 that's +447955232780 which african teams do you think will make it to the world cup And as well as the World Cup qualifiers, the road to the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations finals begins in this upcoming international football window with preliminary round ties coming up from the 23rd to the 29th of this month. Uh, the winners of the ties go to the group stage of qualifying. So these are mostly small teams in this preliminary round. But we have the Gambia, who reached the quarter-finals of this year's Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, the Scorpions will play Chad. They look too good to have to play in the preliminary round, don't they, Ida?
2: <laughs> Indeed, Steve. And especially after getting to the quarters, can't just imagine a team that you know, reach the last eight of the Nations Cup going through the preliminaries, you know. But look, let's not forget that this isn't entirely new territory for them. This is the same route, more or less, that they used to qualify for a maiden Afghan last time out. And despite that amazing success, the preliminaries, Steve, are something that the 12 lowest ranked teams have to go through. Aggregate winners will eventually join the 42 highest ranked teams in the group stage of the qualifiers. Now, that is scheduled for June.
0: Yes, we'll see how they do. So those are Africa Cup of Nations preliminary round ties coming up later on this month. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League looking at Cristiano Ronaldo's superb hat-trick you can follow us on twitter at planet sport fa and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive to download the app go to the play store or the apple itunes app store and enter planet sport football africa and our website is planet TV. or well, to social media now and last week we asked her is it fair for chelsea to be sanctioned Roman Abramovich's attempt to sell Chelsea was halted after he was sanctioned by the British government as part of their response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, The freezing of Abramovich's assets, which include Chelsea Football Club, means the club cannot sell match tickets. Uh, Chelsea are unable to buy or sell players or to offer new contracts. Uh, The UK government will allow fixtures to be fulfilled, uh, staff to be paid and for existing ticket holders to attend games. Uh, The club was founded way back in 1905. We asked, is it fair for it to face sanctions that could potentially see Chelsea closing down? We're here with your comments. Uh, Here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Uh, Thanks, Steve. And we had uh, a
3: lot of strong uh, comments this week. Uh, King Megatron in Algeria says, why is the British government politicising football? Uh, Banning Abramovich from going to Britain was enough, but sanctioning Chelsea is uncalled for. Abi Dax in Namibia says it's not fair Chelsea are a big team. A third T in Nigeria says this is absolutely wrong they should at least allow the club to run its affairs even if no dime will go to Roman. A Toet in Kenya says not fair at all. And we go to Nigeria where Collins says, Chelsea don't have to suffer because of any personality. And the UK government are suffering themselves because Chelsea is an English club. And Wilson Elisha in Nigeria says, this is totally unbelievable. How can they do such a thing? Baba Saidu Sanko in Sierra Leone says, only God knows why. And uh, Frank Chinedo in Nigeria says, as far as I'm concerned, it is a direct attack on Chelsea Football Club. Uh, They should have simply told Roman Abramovich not to step foot in the UK again, rather than uh, taking his club. That's political and barbaric. Uh, Victor Ejike in Nigeria says, it's just a shameful decision. Who does that? Mixing politics and football. Uh, The whole situation was caused by one man. And because Abramovich associates with him, does it make him bad too uh, so victor they're referring to abramovich's rumored close relationship with the russian president vladimir putin now Ejike okori in nigeria uh, says football brings nations and people together uh, since roman abramovich is the sole owner then the uk should allow the sale of the club they can't tell me that any russian player playing in the uk should be sanctioned from playing games Now, Zebrimo Habtish Zebrimo in Ethiopia says sport is not politics. And uh, Mukta Nasia in Ghana says, I found this a bad idea on the part of British government, very hypocritical. Now, Nchidzi Pax Matobo in Botswana says it's not fair. With Jere Sisse saying football is meant for bringing people together, so we should kick out politics in sports. Now Neka Mary says we know what is going on between the Ukraine and Russia but you don't bring politics into football. Let politicians handle politics and let football be football. Chelsea all the way, says Mary. Now Giba Bubaka in the Gambia says let the UK government revoke their decision. It's a club that was founded before Roman himself was born so how can you close down the club because of so-called sanctions? Sideko Suno in the Gambia says I think this is a very harsh decision from the UK government David Mendy in the Gambia also agrees that this is a harsh decision With Madrink Frizi in Uganda saying this is evil by the UK government And finally one listener in favour is Niba Cliff in the UK who says It's more than fair and the sanctions are even not enough says Niba So there you have it, uh, Steve. Almost all listeners are very much against the action that has been taken against Chelsea.
0: Yes, well, thanks there to Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Thanks to everyone who got in touch. And we'll stay with this issue now. Now joined by Stuart Weir, our European football expert, who's usually in the UK, is currently in Belgrade in Serbia at the World Indoor Athletics
4: Championships. Uh, So, Stuart, what
0: do you make of the developments at Chelsea?
4: Well, some strong feelings expressed there, Steve, um, and in a way it does seem unfair on Chelsea. But may I respectfully suggest that some of our listeners have misunderstood what has actually happened. Politically, I didn't vote for our present government and I have no reason to defend them. But you need to understand the situation. The UK did not decide to politicise football. It's not imperialism. The government fully understands the value of football to unite and lift the mood of the nation. But the situation is that Russia has invaded Ukraine and is bombing schools, hospitals, homes and killing children. Towards 3 million people have left Ukraine as refugees. European governments are united and have asked Russia to stop. The sanctioning of Russian billionaires is part of the strategy in the hope that these billionaires who have influence with Putin will use that influence to try to persuade him to stop the war. Roman Abramovich is known to be a friend of Putin. Britain sanctioned Abramovich after all the big European nations had already done so. His bank accounts, property, assets have been seized or frozen, along with those of a hundred other Russian billionaires. It just happens that one of the companies that Abramovich owns is a football club, Chelsea but it's also a business worth billions. Businesses which are sanctioned have to cease operations. Chelsea is therefore no longer allowed to sell tickets for games and the club merchandise operation has had to close. Chelsea's two main shirt sponsors, the mobile phone company 3 and the Korean car manufacturer Hyundai, have ended their sponsorship. Of course I sympathize with Chelsea, the supporters, but when the club allowed Abramovich to take over, it was well known that there were serious allegations of corruption against him and in a way this was a consequence. My understanding is that Everton is the only other club which is partly owned by a Russian and he too could be sanctioned. Manchester United had a deal with Aeroflot, the Russian airline, but I believe that's now been canceled. Ironically, over the weekend, Chelsea played Newcastle in what some people called the ethical derby Uh, or the sportswash derby, with Chelsea owned by a Russian and Newcastle funded by Saudi Arabia, which carried out mass executions last weekend. Football is not straightforward sometimes. The situation at Chelsea actually highlighted the extent of foreign owners in the Premier League clubs, with only five clubs being wholly owned by someone from Britain. Among the foreign owners, that later at Manchester United have been extremely unpopular, accused of only being interested in making money. Manchester City's success has come largely uh, through money from United Arab Emirates. Many questions were raised about the sale of Newcastle United to the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia because of its poor record of human rights. I understand that many Chelsea, Manchester City or Newcastle fans are delighted with the money their foreign owners have brought. But (sighs) some things, like the brutal and illegal invasion of Ukraine, are bigger than football.
0: Yes, yeah, so a lot of issues there. Thanks for that, Stuart. Now let's go to matters on the field now. It's a game on in the English Premier League after Liverpool beat Arsenal on Wednesday. And Man City leading by only a point now, with City hosting Liverpool on the 10th of next month. Let's go back to last weekend, and Cristiano Ronaldo was back to his legendary best with a hat-trick in Manchester United's 3-2 win over Tottenham. A couple of weeks ago, we had a listener question on Ronaldo. Uh, most of this has felt that he would be better off being used as a substitute these days as he's at the age of 37. Uh, but he showed that he still has it, Stuart.
4: I think, Steve, you and I, as well as some of the listeners, were caught with egg on their face by questioning whether Cristiano Ronaldo was playing too much and was exhausted that his form had dipped, that he'd only scored once in 10 games. Then come Saturday, he scores three goals, two of them quite brilliant and he also forced an excellent save by Loris and in fact during that game with Tottenham Manchester United had 10 attempts on goal 8 of them by Ronaldo by the way we mentioned last week that Manchester United had scored their first goal from a corner in 150 attempts well would you believe it they doubled it with Ronaldo scoring from a corner as well but where do you start talking about Ronaldo his third goal was the 807th of his career more than any other player That's 450 for Real Madrid, 136 for Manchester United, 101 for Juventus, 5 for Sporting Lisbon and 115 for Portugal. He's the only player to score 100 goals for four different teams. He scored the winning goal 257 times and 407 of the 807 career goals were either match winners or equalisers. It was the 59th time he scored three goals in a game. And would you believe it, it's 14 years and two months since Ronaldo scored three goals for Manchester United for the first time. Of the other 17 Premier League clubs which played over the weekend, none managed to score three goals, which Ronaldo did on his own. Whether Ronaldo has been good for Manchester United has been debated because people say he doesn't work hard enough The rest of the team has to revolve around him, and having a 37-year-old blocks several young players. But when he scores three excellent goals and puts United ahead three times in the game, where frankly they didn't dominate, how can you criticise him? But then on the other hand, he had a very quiet game against Atletico Madrid four days later. There has been speculation as to whether he will be a one-season wonder. Will he be there next season? That's a hard question to answer, because it's also not clear whose decision that will be. Ralph Ragnac will cease to be manager, but is staying on in a director of football or something like that role, with a new manager being appointed in the summer. Will Ragnac have the authority to say yes or no to another year for Ronaldo? Or will that be up to the new manager? And will Ronaldo be happy to wait beyond the end of the season without knowing if he's staying or not. But let's not worry about that for the moment. Let's just enjoy his brilliance while it lasts.
0: Yeah, it was a superb sporting spectacle seeing Ronaldo's hat-trick, although the um, happy days didn't last long for Manchester United fans. And um, a lot of um, away victories in the Champions League we're seeing, Stuart.
4: Yes, Steve, we now know that the last eight in the Champions League will be three from England, Liverpool, Manchester City and Chelsea. Three from Spain, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, and Villarreal. Bayern Munich from Germany, and Benfica from Portugal. Of the 16 games, that's eight ties home and away, there were only three home wins in the 16 games. This midweek, Atletico won at Manchester United. United battled hard, but Atletico, frankly, were better over the two legs. And another surprise was Villarreal of Spain going to Juventus and winning 3-0. Similarly, Benfica wouldn't have been expected to win in Amsterdam against Ajax. But that happened. So, intriguing quarterfinals coming up. Yes,
0: and uh, talking of quarterfinals, the FA Cup quarter-finals on this weekend, Stuart.
4: It's Middlesbrough against Chelsea, Crystal Palace against Everton, Nottingham Forest against Liverpool, Southampton against Manchester City. It's great to see that the Liverpool, Manchester City and Chelsea are all playing away. So, giving advantage, so to speak, to the weaker team. Middlesbrough have already beaten Manchester United and Tottenham. Can they add Chelsea? And it's a good time to be playing Chelsea at the moment, I think. Nottingham Forest have beaten Arsenal. Can they beat Liverpool? And then there's Crystal Palace and Everton. Two teams in the bottom half of the league table, but one of them will be in the cup semi-final. Really intriguing games. In the oldest cup competition in the world.
0: Yeah, indeed. Uh, thanks a lot, Stuart. Uh, that's a Stuart Weir. Usually in the UK, uh, currently in Belgrade, in Serbia, at the World Indoor Athletics Championships. Uh, also this weekend, it's the El Clasico, Real Madrid against Barcelona on Sunday night. Real Madrid, top of La Liga. Barcelona in third. Fifteen points are separating the two clubs. Uh, before I go, a reminder of our question on social media this week, asking which which African teams do you think will make it to the World Cup? With those final World Cup qualifying playoffs are kicking off next week, Friday. You can post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Which African teams do you think are going to make it to the World Cup finals? Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.